The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening, and it's wonderful uh, to bring you another great guest and another wonderful program. And today we're going to be talking about the creative power of our minds and that creative power that we have as human beings and how recovery opens up the opportunity for us to really utilize our minds and our incredible brains and our lives to create the good that uh, our higher power intends. So I want to thank you again for listening, and thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. That's great to get those likes, and thank you for commenting there and for uh, sending your messages. That's wonderful. It's great to hear what's happening for you in your recovery and your spirituality walk, and it's it's wonderful. So thanks for participating. I want to thank you also that uh, I know that you do let your friends and your uh, family, the people in your recovery community, the people in your unity community or other spiritual communities, other groups that you belong to, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. And that's wonderful because that gives us the opportunity to share these messages of experience, strength, and hope with lots of people. So I appreciate you spreading the word. And I love the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of recovery and spirituality right here on Unity Online Radio. And I'm glad to know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you, that it is touching your heart and your mind and opening up new possibilities for you. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. The guests are people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach recovering people or bring spiritual principles to bear and uh, lots of times all the above. And the guests are always bringing practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. 
You can listen to The Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can obviously listen online live. You can listen via your computer. You can listen via your smartphone. You can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And um, there's on-demand archives, so you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and there's years worth of great archived programs there that you can listen to at your leisure. I want you to know also that if you enjoy Spirit of Recovery as well as the other great programs on Unity Online Radio, if you would like to, you can make a financial donation to this nonprofit radio station. You can simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution, and that does help support all the programming on this nonprofit, UnityOnlineRadio.org. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, you are welcome here. If you are somebody that's uh, just curious about the process of recovery or perhaps you're wondering uh, about uh, what the process is like or maybe you're somebody that's wondering about, am I caught up in addiction? Is this is this affecting my life? You're welcome here. Maybe you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction. Maybe they're in recovery. Maybe they're not. Maybe you as a family member or friend are in recovery as a family member or friend or not. We're glad you're here. Whoever you are, whatever your interest is, thanks for being here. And I know that you'll hear here something that will make a difference in your life. Um, also, you're welcome to uh, email in or call in a question for my guest on the topic of the day, and we'd be glad to hear from you. My name is, again, Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and also an Addictions Counselor, and I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship uh, lots of people that have the disease of addiction. And uh, 34 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst for me that I am so grateful for because that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and that continues to be my walk. It's an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles that creates a spiritual path for me that is transformative and is a real blessing to me. So I am just delighted to have the opportunity to share with you these ideas about recovery and spirituality. Today, our topic is creating life from source, and you know, active addiction takes over your brain. That's that's what science is telling us. The the people that started Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, years ago kind of knew that. They didn't know all the science behind it, but they, they got the point. And now science is showing that, that active addiction actually hijacks the brain and short circuits the the um, reward system and, and kind of gets you in a cycle that uh, keeps you stuck in that. So if, if, uh, if it's a substance addiction or um, if it's uh, that enabling addiction, as family members or friends, sometimes we get engaged in focusing on other people to the point where it is a very compulsive behavior and we forget about ourselves and we get locked into this negative spiral. And what happens in active addiction or active enabling behavior is that we, we get robbed of our ability to create life from a, a expansive or positive perspective when we get kind of locked into this little box. So recovery is a gift in so many ways, and one of those ways is that we reconnect with 
the freedom in our minds. We reconnect with our innate spiritual power of creativity, and we can learn to use our minds, our emotions, and our actions constructively, and we can live fully, and we can live well. And that's, I believe, what our higher power, as each of us defines it, is what our higher power wants for us. So today my guest is Unity Minister Greg Barrett, and he's going to be sharing with us practical spiritual principles and actions that can help us create from spirit, help us to create from this positivity and uh, to create what is we really want to have in our lives, what's that innate goodness in us. Greg has been my guest a few times here on Spirit of Recovery, and he always brings a wonderful information. He's uh, authentic and practical, and um, he's a person that's been practicing spiritual principles for most of his life. And because of that, he's known and learned from a lot of authentic spiritual teachers. He was born and raised in Unity, and he's been a Unity minister for 34 years. He was formerly the director of the International Youth of Unity. He has served as the first vice president of the International New Thought Alliance. He was elected the president of four different Unity regions, and he's led some of Unity's most successful churches. And he has an audio CD, The Gift of Healing and Sleeping, in its Unity's all-time bestseller. He's currently the senior minister of Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. And you can learn more about him by going to that website at unitynorthwest.org. So, Greg, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you, my good friend. It's wonderful to be here with you and share your, your sacred space with all the people that you serve. Thank you. Thanks much. So... Greg, tell us what happens um, in the process of active addiction, and in that I'm being very inclusive here. It could be, you know, addiction can be broadly defined. It could be substance addiction. It could be, again, that addiction to enabling or compulsive behavior or focusing on other people or just being driven by fear. Just in behavioral terms, what what happens with our minds and our ability to create when we're stuck in that cycle? Well, I, I call it a shutting down, and I think it's part of the human condition whenever we're stressed, but certainly the additional stresses of addiction or of codependent enabling, uh, we, we shut down our creative potential and power within us because all the circuits get hijacked and used for the purposes of the addictive behavior of substance abuse. So, so once that takes place, uh, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, it's like uh, rush hour on the 405 San Diego freeway in uh, in, in in Los Angeles. Uh, there, there, there's nothing going to be going on because everything's uh, everything's about one thing, which is everybody's. You know, uh, it's been hijacked for one purpose, and that one purpose is, of course, whatever the uh, the addictive behavior is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I mean. It, People are in that. If we're in that, we're still alive. We're still breathing. We're taking action. But I, life isn't much fun. I think. Yeah, it becomes limited. There's fewer and fewer options, fewer and fewer choices, and because everything is being sacrificed in service of whatever that thing is. You know, gosh, I love the analogy. Just popped into my head right now of of the Lord of the Rings and that one ring, you know, that uh, Frodo is trying to, to take to Mordor and, and, and get rid of. But, but like, once, once it takes hold of you, everything slowly shuts down except for that, that one obsession. And the only way uh, to, to, to get free of it is to, um, it, you know, is to 
throw it into into the Mount Doom to get to 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 get free of it, so that you can be free to actually live a life and 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 do things that are creative and and do things that are innovative that that serve the natural creative designs of the soul. I mean, we we're put on earth to create. We're put on earth to be expressions of the logos, the word of God that we call some of us the Christ in us, but it's that universal spirit that's constantly creating in the universe. And all world religions have spoken of it. All um, creative people are, are in touch with it. And when we're stuck in uh, addictive behavior, um, we stop doing the thing that we came here to do and we start doing this other thing. And so how do we, how do we, uh, how do we free ourselves once again to, to become that creative potential in expression that we were created to be? Right. Yeah, because it's like when we're, when we're caught up in that addictive cycle, it limits options, doesn't it? It's like you, there may be a whole range of options, but you don't see them. No, you're really stuck. You know, I mean, this kind of brings us into, into our line of, uh, of, of endeavor. Our, you know, we're both ministers, and we both have to come up with talks on Sundays. And did you ever have that, that, that uh, time in your life when things were uh, you, you, got, you got caught up in, in, the, in the minutiae, the trivia, the, the, the whatever it was, and, and then you just go, man, how am I going to come up with any ideas? Where, yes. where, where's my creativity? And I had a, a classmate, and God bless him, he, he's passed on and he didn't last that long in ministry, but he, he had, I think, about 12 talks he'd done in ministerial school, and when he was done with them, he said, I don't have anything more to say. And, and, and I remember saying to him, but my, you know, that, that, that there, those 12 talks came from somewhere. And, you know, if you just get in touch with it, my, my problem is I have too many things to say. And I, it's, 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 it's tough to, to, to winnow them down. But, um, I shared with him something that I experienced when I, when I was a chauffeur for, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, the power of positive thinking author. And I was driving around one day in Kansas City. I just happened to be, uh, you know, luck of the draw. I got to be his, his driver. And he, um, I asked him, because he, you know, he wrote all these books, and he would write a column every week, and he'd do his Sunday talk. I said, how are you so prolific? And he said, well, I, I always just take a blank piece of paper, and I ask the Holy Spirit, what, do you, what does it want to say? And what do people need to hear? And then I just start writing, <laughs> and it was like, really. And 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 they said, "Have you ever failed to come up with ideas?" He said, "No, nope, never once." And you think, well, can it be that simple? But how often do we place our claim or uh, place our demand on that that incredible creative potential within us? And I find that if I will actually take the time, take a breath and get in touch with that creative power, it's always there. And it's not just, of course, in our line of, of, of endeavor. It's also especially true when we're dealing with problems with dealing with people and different things in our lives. Mm-hmm. I love that story. You know, and I think when you're talking about that with that Norman Vincent Peale, who obviously was incredible and so prolific and, and communicated so much with such a broad audience, what a, a wonderful place to be in him, such a, a lack of that self-centered, fearful ego. That he was able to just let go and, and believe and trust and experience the fountain of life. 
it's there. It's always flowing. And, you know, Imelda Shanklin, who wrote the interview book, What Are You? I was reading a, an article written about her by Ernest Wilson, another famous unity minister. And he said that uh, when they worked together, she had really, she was the editor of all unity publications at that time in the 20s. And uh, she, she would have too much to do. She literally could not, uh, she felt she really couldn't do everything. So she would have a talk she'd have to give on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. to a retreat. And which the way she'd handle it is she would just say, okay, spirit, I need a talk on Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Thank you. And between that time, it might be Thursday until the next Tuesday, uh, things would just come to her. People would hand her things. She would, you know, in, in, in editing or reading something, an idea would come. And she said by the time Tuesday at 11 o'clock came around, there would always be sufficiency, more than sufficiency. But we have to live our lives like that. It's living in the moment, living in the now, seeking first the kingdom and then trusting that all of our needs are met, whether they're physical needs, prosperity needs, or needs of ideas. In this case, in her case, a talk. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're saying that, what's bringing to mind to me is the in the big book, or Alcoholics Anonymous, the book, which is often called the big book, in that uh, place where it talks about the, what is traditionally called the promises. It says, you know, if we fulfill these, uh, I think it's after the, yeah, the ninth step amends, if, if we've worked the steps to that point, then there'll be these promises. And one of them is that the fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. And to me, that's what kind of related to what you're saying. <clears throat> it's like, the fear of not having enough, the fear of lack, the fear of having problems in our relationships it will leave us because because we're connected to that source. Yes, it's that deeper trust. And when I read that, I remember the first place I went was uh, in my mind was to Charles and Myrtle Fillmore's covenant, which they found after both of them had passed. They found it in an old uh back uh, uh, drawer of uh, Charles Fillmore's desk. And it was this covenant they'd done in handwriting, basically um, dedicating everything that they had and ever would had to spirit, but then uh, saying we fully expect to have um, all, of our, all of our needs met in order to do this work. So, um, if, you know, if, we, if we're living from a higher place, if we're living uh, in alignment with our higher power and in a spirit of service, uh, our needs will be met, not necessarily the way we want them to be met, not necessarily according to our human ego wants, but definitely the needs. The needs will always be met. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's like that, um, and that's that shift into recovery. That's really, in, in one way of thinking about what recovery is, it's being willing to let go of whatever behavior that we've been so compelled toward um, and however it's engaged us biologically and psychologically and emotionally and spiritually, it's willingness to take one little step to say, I'm going to let go of that and trust something else. And then it's amazing how things come forth. You know, I, I talked to you off the air about a situation I had where, where I was um, really troubled by the behavior of another person, and I felt very stymied and stuck and whatever. And once I let go of my addictive uh, need to be understood and to defend myself and uh, just said, okay, I, you know, surrender. I just surrender my pictures of what it is 
that I think needs to happen here or what, you know, which is usually my explaining myself and getting everybody around me to understand what I'm saying. Uh, once I let that go, this incredible creative solution came forth that was uh, not only uh, very healing to me, but was helpful to the other person. And it's, uh, it, it's those kinds of outside-of-the-box uh, answers are always available once and if I'm willing to let go of my own pictures of the way it should be or the, the habitual need to be understood or to defend or whatever it is that I'm running in my life. Right. That's powerful. It's time for our first break. Um, listeners, stay with us. We're talking about creating from your source, creating your life from your source, getting in touch with that innate creativity, um, being fully human. My guest is Greg Barrett. Greg is a longtime unity minister, a longtime practitioner of spiritual principles, an authentic person who always has wonderful practical ideas to share. He's the senior minister of Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. You can find out more about him by going to unitynorthwest.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. 
Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. Our topic today is creating your, creating your life from source. And we're talking about how um, when we're in recovery, we get our minds back and we get that creativity back. We get ourselves opened up to the higher power and to that creative life force. And we are able to use our minds to create good and to dwell and, and come from that place of creativity and fullness and flow. And that that's really what we're meant to do as these wonderful divine humans that we are. And my guest is Greg Barrett. He's a unity minister. He's been practicing spiritual principles for most of his life. And he's sharing with us some wonderful practical ideas about how we use our minds to create good. So before I get back to my conversation with Greg, I'd like to invite you to join me for a moment of conscious contact with the higher power and as you understand it, and and that it is always, of course, a loving, um, life-giving higher power. And I invite you to relax for a moment and share with me a constructive idea. And then we'll take a moment in the quiet. So I invite you to feel that relaxing presence of peacefulness moving throughout your body temple, relaxing from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple. And as your body relaxes, allow your mind to relax. And share with me this constructive idea. I am grateful that my recovery opens me to the creative flow of my life. I am grateful that my recovery opens me to the creative flow of my life. And now we take a moment in the quiet, opening up to that creative flow in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to allow your mind to relax and to open up to that wonderful life-giving presence of your higher power. So now we're back to my conversation with my guest Greg Barrett and we're talking about creating life from source. So Greg, before the break there, you were telling us a little bit about a, a situation that you had where you were focused on some stress. You were having a stressful situation in your life with an individual, and uh, you were kind of in a box there, but you were able to let go, and, and it opened up some creative solutions that benefited you as well as the other person. How did you do that? What are I mean, are there steps? Is there a process? What do you do? I mean, we all get stressed out. Even in recovery, that's part of the deal. But how do you deal with it? How do you how do you move into that place of creativity? 
I guess the question is how do you depersonalize something that's going on that feels so intensely personal? You know, that feeling of, oh, my gosh, it's personal. It's all about me. It's about my feelings. It's about my obsessive uh, thoughts. That is what shuts down the creativity because that's what hijacks the brain. And so um, what, what works for me is um, meditation. And, um, and when I have a hard time meditating, which is something that happens uh, frequently with me, even though I've been meditating since I was, I think, 14 years old, uh, uh, but I still, in, in a time of stress, it's difficult. So I take uh, affirmations when I, when I can't quiet my mind. And I just sit with them and work with them. And in this case, um, I guess I'm trying to remember, I, I, the ones I was working with was getting in touch with that Christ consciousness. That is what I called it. But uh, uh, thank you, God, I was saying, for the Christ awareness. And then I would sit with that for a while. And then thank you, God, for the Christ radiance. And thank you, God, for the Christ answers. And uh, thank you, God, for the Christ intuition. And I would just do this, um, you know, thank you, God, for this Christ consciousness and the Christ expansion and the various ideas. And I would, I always keep it simple, and then I just move with it. And you eventually build an energy and a vibration that you can step into and step out of that old familiar um, reactive mind that wants to obsess and, and uh stays brutally focused upon the problem. And then the solution um, is very natural because uh, there's, always, there's always an answer, not necessarily the answer you expected or wanted, but there's always an answer. Mm-hmm. So let's go back a little bit to what you mean, and you, you kind of said it, but a little more about what you mean by working with an affirmation and maybe... Tell us how, I know you've been at this a long time, but how do you come up with an affirmation? Or, you know, some people are familiar with this. Some people are like, what are they talking about? So how do you do that? How do you work well, with them? I think you demonstrated that in the break, uh, right after the break, when you led the, the meditation. Um, you were doing that very thing. And basically you take a short, positive, prayerful statement, and then you... Um, you know, and there's any number of ways you can do it. You could say it out loud. Often I'll say it out loud, and, I'll, and then I'll whisper it, and then I'll think it, and then I'll feel it. I mean, uh, depending on how stressed I am and how out of my uh, rightful mind I am, uh, I may do it very tangibly and uh, in almost a rote lockstep way so that I can be, just just get out of what's familiar. So I might say my affirmation like, uh, Thank you, God, for this Christ awareness. And then I would maybe whisper it, and then I would uh, think it, and then I would just feel it. And then when my mind wanders, I just take another one. Um, but this is the style of prayer that Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, the series of uh, about 55 words in Aramaic affirmations that um, are positive, short, and, um, uh, and affirmative. And he, and he did say that that was the preferred mode of prayer. That was the one that, that he was recommending. He said, pray like this. And so when you do that, you're moving out of the beseeching and the begging, which, by the way, I do from time to time. Uh, but, but you move into something that's higher that can, that can really generate some powerful energy. Mm-hmm. 
And talk some more about that. Like you talk about you, part of your process of working with affirmations is that you feel them. And uh, how do you do that and why does that matter? Well, when I'm in my wacky mind, you know, the, the obsessive mind, I can't feel anything besides uh, what I'm obsessing about so, or the fear. So what I do is I start with what I can control and what I can uh, have some volition over. So I'll say it out loud and then I'll whisper it and then I'll think it. And then I'll feel it. And at first I don't feel a whole lot, but I, you know, I'll do a little. And then when my mind wanders, which it will do, the fears will come up. Then I take another one uh, or the same one again. Uh, and as time goes on, you wear down. I wear down that part of myself that's obsessing. Um, I've often used the Lord's Prayer itself as, uh, as an affirmative prayer treatment where you take the first line aloud whispering, silent, and then feel it, and then stay in it until your mind wanders, and then take the second line. Uh, you can do that with the 23rd Psalm. You can do that with the Serenity Prayer. You can do that with any, you know, any positive prayer that, um, that, that, uh, that appeals to you, uh, the Prayer for Protection by James Dillett Freeman. Uh, you can do that with um, Unity's Invocation we use in our church by Charles Fillmore. There's any number of ways to do this. But the idea is when you're in this state of mind where you're not creative and where you're, you're kind of stuck, uh, that, that's the time to take the reins in hand and to, uh, to work with an affirmation in almost lockstep until you can get into your feeling nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And as you're saying, it, it generates a different energy and, and generates that energy of a, a greater consciousness a spiritual consciousness. Yes, and then that consciousness takes over. And when you start off, and inevitably, when I start off, I don't have any conception of or almost uh, belief in uh, the idea that I can be in another state of consciousness. But I, I've done this enough so that I just know that if I will do it, it will work. And uh, and and it always does. It always does. Uh, but it takes uh, the discipline of doing it. The problem is we expect instant results, and it's not instant. You've got to just kind of work with it and, uh, and, and not place demands on yourself, but just be willing to, to go through the steps. You know, one thing, uh, and I'm really appreciating a lot about what you're saying, Greg, is that, that, that you've, you've been working with spiritual practices, as you say, since almost your whole life, and yet you're willing to acknowledge here and share with us that you still get scared, you still get stressed out, and that's okay, that it's not a doom thing. It's that, okay, I'm now, I know what to do. I've got tools. I know they work. I know you've kind of built up spiritual muscle, I'm sure, over these years, and you're willing to take the effort, make the effort, to turn your mind to spirit, so it's it's not this magic trick, you know that that's not how it is. But if when you, as you say, when you're willing, you you know it works, so you take the step to do it. Yes, yes, and and, and kind of an interesting um, paradox here because we are we are we are in recovery, surrendering our will, but then the proper use of will is to focus the will in taking the spiritual steps we need to. And I'm walking the steps of, of spirituality and recovery. That's right. It's like using turning that will to the greater good, to the greater 
will of God, if or your higher power, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, so that we're working with that instead of this fearful box thing and getting caught up in that. Yeah, I, I, I remember once uh, either I heard this or I made it up. I, it, I've been saying it for so many years. I'm probably beginning to think I thought it up and I didn't. But it was, uh, if I can get my uh, rear end in the chair, my heart and mind will follow. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've got to, to actually have the discipline and the will to sit down and do this uh, working with the affirmations and, uh, and not expect, you know, a, a magic trick, not expect anything. Just do it. And mm-hmm. even if I, even when I stand up, even if when I stand up, I don't feel like a whole lot of shift has happened, uh, when I get out and uh, move out into my world, I notice distinct differences and better outcomes. Wonderful. Okay, we've been talking sort of about how, dealing with uh, situations when, you know, when we kind of problems arise or we get stressed out. And I want to shift this a little bit now, like in terms of proactively uh, creating good. So suppose there's something uh, that you long for, there's something you want to do or something that you want to have in your life. How does that work? Because that's part of creativity as well. Well, you know, what's popped into my mind was a situation I was dealing with uh, about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, I was a new minister in a church that was very much uh, used to a very different style of ministry and speaking. And uh, I, I'm a little more cognitive, I'm a little more intellectual, and they were used to more of an emotional experience. And um, it was also a part of the country where where uh, that was valued more. And, of course, I grew up in, you know, California, where maybe it was a little bit more uh, um, men- mentally challenging rather than emotionally uh, uh, oriented. So I, I, well, I wasn't connecting, and things just, Things weren't going well. I knew the best, the best uh, positive out, uh, feedback I would get from people would be, oh, your talks are so well organized. <laughs> that was about as good as it got. So uh, things that had worked elsewhere had, were not working, and I just finally surrendered. I said, I don't know what I need to do. And what happened was, I don't know if I've told you the story, but what happened was it was Easter, the biggest crowd that I was ever going to, had ever been there, and there were going to be a lot of people, many of whom were trying this service out for the, were trying me out for the first time, and um, and I locked my notes in my office between services, and of course the second service was the bigger service, and the first service just did not click at all, and so I, I, I went to every single person who had a key, and they didn't have their key, or I couldn't reach them, or their phone was off. I mean, it was almost absurd. Finally, it got to the point where there was a guy in the second row who was a locksmith, and they said, you're saved. The locksmith is sitting in the second row. And so I, uh, they went down and they asked him, could you, you know, could you pop his lock open? And he refused. <laughs> it was a time for me to find out how he really felt about me. So anyway, so I'm sitting up there, and here it is. And I don't have – I have always – I had always worked with, with you know, 12 pages. I had 12 pages of – very, you know, I didn't read it, but I still had these notes to keep me organized. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I got up and I, and I gave my talk and I, for the first time I connected. It was the first time that the people were actually not sitting there like the couple in Grant Wood's uh, American Gothic. I mean, they were, they, they were stone faced, you know, they, they're actually smiling and, and connecting. And, uh, and their response was, was overwhelming. And I, I thought, wow, thank God I don't have to do that again. And what came to me was, you're going to have to do that every week for the rest of your life. And so, 
I, it was like the, the answer, I, I was like, well, how do I, you know, God save me. God give me something. I want my answer in this way. And the answer was for me to let go of something and to take a spiritual step. Truthfully, every time I've ever had a real answer in my life, it always requires me to take some kind of spiritual step. And in this case, I had to let go of my false sense of security, which I got from, you know, rigorously organizing my thoughts to, to being um, more spontaneous, uh, vulnerable, and available uh, on an emotional level. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting adventure ever since. And uh, it's, it's a heck of a lot harder, but, you know, spiritual growth always is. That's right. Yeah, it challenges us to find that deeper sense of self and that deeper connection. Well, what do you think about, Greg, when somebody, like, says, well, uh, you know, I want to uh, use my spirituality to manifest a new car or something like that? How does that work or not? Sometimes I tell him a story from Joseph Murphy. Remember him? Uh, he wrote a lot yes. of uh, metaphysical books back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And he once said uh, that he had uh, – somebody challenged him. He had gray hair. Can you uh, – uh, use your prayer to turn your hair uh, black again. And he, he, this is what he claimed. He, he claimed that he spent 15 minutes a day for a year or two, I forget how long, and his hair started growing black from the roots, and suddenly it dawned on him, my gosh, what if I'd spent that time developing my ability to love? And so he just went, he just went oh, my gosh, I've been, you know, I've been focusing on the wrong thing. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. said, seek first the kingdom and all the things will be added unto you. It doesn't mean that if you don't have, that you, if you have a need, that you aren't going to get divine help and assistance. And I am not one who says that you cannot involve any area of your life with spiritual help. So certainly, you, can. you know, I, right. You, right. you can. And then yes. I don't know whether I said that clearly or not, but, but like, so if you need to rent a house or, or buy a car or whatever, you could say, thank you, God, for the best possible car available for me right now or whatever it is you need to do but not get locked down in the materiality of it because the form is always uh, secondary to the function to the spirituality that uh, the spiritual step that you're taking in in uh, solving this problem and uh, sometimes the answer is so different than what the right answer is so different than what it is that we have in mind so the the materialism you know the old secret kind of uh, the movie the secret that, that idea that you, that you force your will on the universe um, is, boy, talk about a partial truth. It's, it's, it, it has some aspects of the truth, but the deeper truth is uh, surrendering to a higher will and um, being open to uh, a higher outcome. Uh, it reminds me of um, Emmett Fox's Golden Key, and he says, if you have a problem, just bring yourself back to God. Um, and I think I shared with you about my sister who was born with birth defects, and that's how my parents got into unity. Um, my mom was giving an affirmation, you are God's whole and perfect child, aglow with God's light, life, and wisdom, that had nothing to do with the physical outcome. But it was, uh, she was to say that, uh, she was given that by silent unity. Uh, mm-hmm. And she said it for a year, and my sister had miraculous healing. So the physical manifestings will come, but I always believe in keeping it more open uh, and not being locked down in form. Right. So that's what you're meaning by what you said a minute ago about the, the spiritual movement in yourself. The spiritual growth is really what is the, the deeper, the, the more important or the, the more essential. And, and, and the form is 
the result, but not to focus on the form. Is that what you were meaning? Yeah, the form is the secondary. Um, what comes first is the kingdom, which is the spiritual growth. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we know what the highest good really is? We only have an idea. We have every right to share that idea in prayer. We can have every we have every right to to have an outcome in mind. I mean, certainly, but we also know that the higher outcome, as it works out, is for our greatest good, and we must be willing to surrender to it. It's like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, and take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this, but nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. So there's always that part of you that's open, uh, as he was in that situation, uh, to a different outcome, maybe even an outcome you didn't particularly care for, but that may lead to a greater good. Right. There's always a bigger picture in there. Always a bigger picture. Yeah, it's like an iceberg. We only can see what's on the tip above the surface. And there's so much more, there's so much more in terms of uh, relationships, good for other people, good for ourselves. And, and again, it's about spiritual growth. We're put on earth to grow spiritually. We're not here to manifest cars and, and houses and relationships. Those are certainly effects and those are, are worthy. But we're really put here, we're really here to grow spiritually. And so if we're focused on that, um, those other things will take care of themselves as needed. And, uh, and we will get back up and help. Um, mm-hmm. And we will be supplied, but not by necessarily our own human designs and definitions. Right. You know, along with that, Greg, that you wrote a, a story recently that is in the Little Unity Daily uh magazine called the daily word it just came out the march and april issue and um in this story that you wrote and they published it in in the back in the april section there it's called strength from a redwood forest and in this story you're talking about the idea of connection and what you were just saying would you share this uh beautiful story with us about connection and the greater good and what it's really about well thank you you know it's interesting too i left one part of the story out i'd forgotten about it so i I can add that as well but it was back in the 1980s uh james philip freeman who was uh, the director of silent unity and unity's laureate and silent um, unity is unity's prayer 24 hour seven prayer ministry that anybody can call just call 1-800-NOW-PRAY and they will pray with you on the phone put that in there okay yeah yeah and he he was a traveling to California, and he had a day to spare, and I was taking care of him, you know, kind of uh, his, his uh, uh, per, the person assigned to take care of his needs. And so he had a day to spare, and I asked him, what do you want to do with that day? And he says, I only want to see two things. I want to see uh, first, first growth redwood forest, and I want to see the ocean. So I, I took him to the ocean, and, and I asked him, why first growth? Because there were lots of second growth redwood forests very near us. But the first growth took a little bit of, you know, winding roads and, and uh, some effort. And he said the reason why is because um, he said that, that there was an energy that he could only feel in a first growth redwood forest. Even though the second growth might be 200 feet tall, these ones had been sitting for centuries. And uh, uh, second growth means they'd been cut down and, and they'd regrown since the foresters had come through like 100 years before. But these other ones had been there for hundreds of years. And he said one of the things that, that he noticed about first growth was this incredible sense of shared presence and community because 
he shared something with me, and I'd grown up near redwood trees out in California, but I didn't know this, that they have very shallow roots. He said, you'll never see a redwood tree growing alone because it would topple over. The roots grow very near the surface, and they intertwine with each other, and they hold each other up so that only in community could they find their strength. They weave together their roots. And uh, another thing he shared with me, which I didn't put in the article, was that the only way a redwood tree can germinate is through fire. And um, when I was with my children, uh, we were um, hiking in uh, Big Sur, and they just had a fire about two years earlier, like it devastated that whole forest. But everywhere we went, there were hundreds or thousands of seedlings, uh, smaller redwood trees coming up. And I'd never seen that because I'd never been anywhere there had been a redwood fire. And uh, uh, that's the only way a redwood seed would germinate. And he said, he had told me also that, that it's the fires of life, which would be like going through recovery, dealing with an addiction, dealing with a, a life crisis, that, that, that opens us up and allows us to germinate and grow. And um, so, so I, was, I was walking with, with the, the children, and I told them the story that, these stories that he had shared with me about the seeds germinating through fire, and also that they have a shared spiritual and healing power, and how he had said that it reminded him of Silent Unity, the prayer ministry, that there was strength in numbers, that by himself he didn't feel like he could do much, but in community he could support others with them in staying upright. So as we were walking along, there was a sign uh, in front of the tallest tree. This is in Big Basin, not Big Sur. It was a different growth uh, grove. And uh, it said, Father of the Forest, and it was this huge 2,000-year-old redwood tree. And then my son found another one nearby called the Mother of the Forest. And I read the sign saying, the Mother of the Forest is taller, but the Father is older and fatter. And my kids say, well, just like in our family. <laughs> so, but, but, but we really stood there. I mean, the kids really could feel that energy. And Freeman was right. A first-growth redwood forest has a presence and a power and an energy. And he and I stood there in this particular grove that, that we were able to find. And he said, just feel this. And it was almost like a low hum. It was just so profound. And although I did a lot of hiking in second-growth redwood forests and got a lot of benefit from them, it was nothing like that. And um, there are a lot of lessons to be learned about strength in community and also the power of um, working through crisis in order to germinate the growth of the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's a really, that's a beautiful story. And um, obviously, as, as you've really alluded to, that's really the recovery process that we alone can do it, but we cannot do it alone. That we have to have community, we have to have each other to uh, create our lives, keep going forward. You can't do it alone. And he, he was um, also another part of that is that he was taking a break from taking care of his wife who had Alzheimer's, and um, he he really wanted. He said he wanted to bring back that energy of that shared experience. Uh, in, in a first-growth redwood forest, as, as strange as that may sound. Um, but it, he felt it was a, a, powerful, uh, a powerful energy. And, um, you know, we can get strength from, from metaphors and, and, and analogies and also from, from the physical things around us. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, yeah, because that life force is in everything, and that 
that creativity, it, you know, it's just right in there. And as you say, when we're open to it, it manifests in all kinds of ways. It's a, a, we live in an incredible world. It's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful world. Just amazing. Yeah, and the thing, the trick is we have to go out and get into it and not just stay isolated. Actually go and experience it and use that strength of will, not as a personal will, but to focus ourselves in getting connected. Right. What are some uh, ideas you could share with us about that? What are some ways um, that we can take action and get connected? Well, I, I always find the simpler the better, and of course, Going to meetings is a huge one. Uh, another one is to, um, you know, have spiritual community in other ways, 11-step uh, fellowships where, where you're focusing on your higher power. But one of them, for me, I went through an incredibly stressful time about 15 years ago, and what came to me so strongly, intuitively, was anytime you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, leave your office, you know, even in the dead of winter, put on your coat, put on your gloves, and walk around the block, and the block was a mile, at least. I mean, it was a long block. And but it, I'll be darned, every time, by the time I came back, even if I really wasn't working at it, I'd be in a completely different mindset. And I shared it on a Sunday morning, and there were some people in the church who lived along that route, and they said, yeah, we can always tell when you're going through something. You look out our window, and there you are, walking down the street, you know. But, mm-hmm. but it really... Um, being willing to, to you know, when we have that, that part of us that wants to shut down and, and recoil from the creative part of ourselves, to actually say no and stand up to it and say, no, I'm going to walk around the block. I'm going to go to the meeting. I'm going to work with these affirmations. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to sit in meditation. You know, I'm going to get out in the sunshine. I don't care if it's 15 degrees. I'm going to do it. And, and it, those, those little acts of focused will uh, lift us up into a different uh, place in consciousness. Right. Yeah. You know, that's uh, so true. And um, I've been reading a little bit uh, lately a, a wonderful book about human evolution and how we humans came to be who and how we are and the power of our minds that, you know, the, the distinction between us human animals and other animals is that we have the ability to choose. We have the ability to think um, and to direct our minds and to actually direct energy, and that's what makes us human. Yes, we have that, that volition that, I mean, we've evolved as mm-hmm. soul to the place where we can do this thing, and our next step in evolution is calling us. And we may think that what we're doing is just dealing with an addiction or dealing with a relationship problem. But what really is happening is a, it's calling us, these situations are calling us to break open the shell, um, you know, to, to, to fire and to, to germinate this new, this new something that's being birthed in us. Right. You know, it's interesting. This is a book by a, by an anthropologist, um, and he was saying that that in physical terms, just because of how biology works, that it's not likely that the human mind or the human being is going to change much genetically or biologically, but that we, just what you're saying there, is that, that the hope for us is that we can and do change culturally, and that as we make choices as individuals and as groups and 
uh, in our, however, you know, we make decisions in our society, that that's how we progress. That's the breaking open of our creative lives. And that's a group experience. It's a shared experience. And when mm-hmm. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you, it can also be translated among you held in common. Right. Yeah. So I love what you're saying uh, there, Greg, too, about, you know, we may see ourselves right now just, oh, I'm kind of dealing with, with the problem I've got here, whatever it is. But as you're saying, it's really, and it's kind of basically what we're talking about, but really the bigger picture is that, no, if you're somebody that's willing to deal, quote, deal with your problems from this spiritual place, what we're really doing is that we're on a leading edge. We're supporting the the opening up of uh, human life and of human possibility in a lot of ways. We may have been driven to it because we had to be because of our problems, but what's 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 happened is is that we're like, wow, oh, that we're learning these incredible, wonderful, divine human ability skills to be fully ourselves, to be fully human. That is so true, and that's what we're being called to do as uh, a family of humanity. Absolutely. Well, our time is up, but Greg, thank you so much. Greg Barrett, my guest, Senior Minister of Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. You can go to unitynorthwest.org and learn more about Greg's ministry and about what he does. He's a wonderful writer, and um, you can find out more about him and, and what he does and the wonderful gifts that he shares. So, Greg, thanks so much for being my guest today and sharing about creating our lives. Thank you. It's, it's always a joy to share space with you, and it's a real sacred experience for me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And listeners, thank you for being with us today, and I know that you've benefited. And uh, many blessings, and have a creative week filled with love. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. When I look at the world around me, I may feel dismayed by the amount of conflict I see. Of course I want things to be different, and perhaps I'm willing to take action. But so often I don't know exactly what to do or how. Sometimes the best place to start is with myself. By first looking at my own life and relationships, I may find areas of conflict that need to be resolved. If I want that resolution, I must work for it within myself. Peace is a personal responsibility, an ever-present power I must choose to accept. Every time I work to heal something within myself, I am helping to heal the world. Peace happens one heart at a time. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.